You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So, um, very difficult to know where to even begin with this one. Um, It's sort of going to be a good, the bad, and the ugly kind of a situation. Although, instead of good, the bad, and the ugly, it's sort of like the incredible, the I hated you at first, but uh, you kind of redeemed yourself, and I'm proud of your efforts, and uh, well done. Thanks for closing the game out. And the good Lord, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. Peewee football, hot garbage, somebody needs to be fired, hire the janitor, I don't care. Um, I mean, it doesn't really flow, but uh, that's kind of the three phases of the Green Bay Packers. But at the end of the day, as much as watching the Chicago Bears score 30 points against us stings... um, 30 to 45 is, uh, I mean, 45 points, man. This offense is humming right now. Um, you know, we talked about how they they seem to have gotten into a groove, and we were hoping they were going to continue that groove. And 45 points, man, that's that's a rarity. You know, the Packers are, are a good football team, but 45 points is not something you see very often. 38 times in uh, team history have they reached that mark. 14 times in uh, Aaron Rodgers' era. I don't know for sure. I don't know if uh, maybe Flynn snuck in there somewhere or something. I don't know. But uh, I'm actually surprised to see, considering how good the team was last year, the last time we've scored this many points was in 2014. That feels not real, <laughs> like at all. Like I feel like you get like one or two of those a year, but um, no, you don't. The uh, Yeah, the last time they did that was 2014. And, and by the way, that was so... You got to go back to um, November 16th against Philly. We scored 53 points. The week before that against Chicago, we scored 55 points. So that's crazy. And then in 2012, 55 points. So we just, apparently we just went straight from, you know, 30s to the 50s. I don't know what's going on here, but point is, man, we, we, uh, as much as that sucked in some ways, um, I, I think part of the reason why we feel so good is because for that exact reason. I say we because I'm 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 kind of just surveying the field here. Um, I'm feeling good. There's some concerns, and by some I mean like one giant one. But seeing the offense look, and, and that's the other thing. It's not just the points. You know, you can see, for example, the Bears' points. You look at it and go, yeah, they scored 30, but yeah, come on. Average starting field position was like the five yard line. So don't even get me started. But this this was just smooth. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was. I'm, I'm not supposed to be. We're supposed to be doing the um, special teams first. But man, point is overall, despite the negatives, I mean, 45 points and a 15 point win over the Bears is not exactly the way in which we saw that going down. But again, if the score was 10 to 25, would you be that mad? Yeah, I guess so. I just mad in a different way because the offense should have done better. So I'll I'll take it. 45 points is. This offense is is just feeling itself right now, but um, let's let's start. Let me see if I can count how many special teams gaffes there were, and it's pretty much any time anything happened ever. 
So we were able to stop Chicago. <clears throat> Actually, you know what? I want to go through this. Let's just do it this way. This is going to be a little bit different. I just want to go drive by drive just to kind of get a better overview of what happened here. So the Bears got the ball first. They started at the 25. We didn't know that that was going to be a crazy revelation at the time. We thought that that was a normal thing. And um, turns out it was kind of crazy. One of the things that I noticed, the Bears were not nearly as good when they had to start in their own territory as when they had to start in ours. But bottom line is, the first drive, they started in their own 25 and ended up having to punt. Fortunately for everybody, I mean the Packers, um, they punted into our end zone, so there was no way for us to mess that up. It was a touchback, done deal. We get the ball. Corey Bohorquez punts a 57-yard punt to the 22-yard line. It is a beautiful punt. But Grant ends up going from the 22-yard line to the 44-yard line, uh, says for 34 yards, which I don't think that math adds up, but that's fine. We're calling it, I guess maybe if he went backwards a little bit, whatever. I don't know. I don't know how that works. 34 yards. So right out of the gate, that sucks. And so again, and and we've had this before. What was it? The Indianapolis Colts game last year where the Packers, I think we lost that game and... We lost it primarily because it was the defensive blunders more than anything, insofar as if you just look at the score. In other words, it wasn't that the offense didn't score enough points. It was that the the defense, we'll put in air quotes here, gave up too many points. This drive started at the Green Bay 44. The Bears started at the Green Bay 44. They end up kicking a field goal. So once again, when they start in our territory, I was kind of being sarcastic with that, but I guess in this case it's literal, they tend to do better. So that was three points that, yes, you I mean, you can't 100% put it on special teams. I fully acknowledge that. The defense kind of has to step up, et cetera, et cetera. But at some point, you're asking too much of the defense. And, and when they kicked this field goal, I said that was a win. And in my opinion, it was. So here's the rule. And again, it doesn't 100% work this way. And I'm not going to take the points off the board in terms of the defense. But I am going to say I'm not counting it as a bad drive for the defense. I'm going to count it as a, a bad thing for special teams. So that's negative one for special teams. Then the Packers get the ball, nine plays, 39 yards, and end up having to punt again. 45-yard punt to the 11-yard line. I think that might have been the one where he fell. I'm not positive, but there was one where the guy caught it and fell and then got up, and we were able to tackle him right away. I don't know if that's the one, but we, we basically got lucky because that's what happened. So then the Bears get the ball at the 11-yard line, and they drive 74 yards for a touchdown. That's on the defense, right? 100%. All right, done deal. The Packers gave up a 74 yards to a terrible offense, gave up a touchdown. That's a bad drive. That stuff shouldn't happen, right? They gave up a bunch of runs. They couldn't hold the edge. They struggled to get pressure. When they did, they left gaping holes. Justin Fields ran all over the place, and then I had to listen to these idiot announcers talk about, you know, Justin Fields looks really good out there. I mean, it, I, I I swear, I started smiling. Every time he took off and ran, and, and ran for a big game, I just knew, here it comes. And like clockwork, the guy hasn't done anything for a full quarter. I mean, he hasn't even completed a pass in the last, like, in terms of actual time. It's been probably 45 minutes since the guy's completed a pass, and he runs for 15 yards, and here comes Chris Collinsworth. I got to tell you, this kid here is doing some special stuff today. He's so special. I think he's really special, what he's doing. He's special. I, I, I wanted to dropkick Chris Collinsworth so much today for every single thing that came out of his mouth. 
Every single thing he said, whether he was commenting on penalties, Justin Fields, it didn't matter what it was. It was like, would you just shut your mouth? Drives me crazy. Again, the infatuation with this guy that just, (laughs) yes, I understand. There's a big, wide open area in front of him. And he ran forward. Wow. A five-yard dump-off pass that went for 74-yard touchdown. Wow. It's like the whole Tom Brady thing. Right? Wow, Tom Brady, look at how amazing he is. He threw to a wide-open guy who ran for 74 yards and got a touchdown. Let's give him a friggin' presidential medal. <sighs> Sorry. So, yeah, the defense, uh, they, they messed that one up. Then the Packers get the ball, start at the 25-yard line, drive 75 yards for a touchdown. Offense is now suddenly getting into rhythm, right? Bears get the ball back. Uh, they start at the Chicago 41 because, of course, they do. It was a 40-yard kick return. Had the Bears gotten so much as a field goal on this drive, I probably would have blamed special teams for that, or at least half of it on special teams. However, the Chicago, the, the Green Bay Packers, especially Razul Douglas, ended up getting a pick six in this game, and so the defense comes up big and saves us from another special teams disaster. Not only saves us, doesn't just get off the field, but puts seven points on the board. Then, and this is one of my favorites, This this is this is just the epitome of stupidity. Oh, I missed one. I missed one. I'm, I'm sorry. I was thinking of the wrong thing. This is this is the Bears get the ball. That's right. I got to rewind a little bit. The end of that first quarter when we punted, because we started at the five-yard line, drove 39 yards and punted, I forgot to mention their kicker kicked the ball out of bounds. But as the ball was traveling out of bounds, our return guy said, no, and he ran over and saved it from certain death. And he tried his best to catch it so it didn't go out of bounds, but he sucks too much to catch the football, so it bounces off of him and goes out of bounds, and so it's a dead ball right there at the five-yard line. We have to take the ball there. It would have been us at the 40-yard line. We probably would have gotten been able to go and get some points, whatever, but no, we had to start at the five-yard line. You're pinned up. We drove 39 yards. That would have put us at, what, their 40 if we just got the 39 yards? No, their 30. That's field goal range. Anyways... Coming back to it, this is the part where we kicked it out of bounds and they didn't save it. So Mason Crosby now is booting balls out of bounds. So they get to start at the 40. And as a result, they drive down and get a touchdown. Now, do we say that the defense isn't responsible for giving up 60 yards in a minute and a half? No, they're still responsible for that. That still sucks. Still got to be better. No question about that. But for the love of all things, let's not give them a short field again. And I think this was the play. This was the play to Bird for 54 yards, where Bird gets lined up on black. It was just a a matchup from hell for the Green Bay Packers, and and the Bears were able to identify it. And again, Justin Fields threw to a wide-open guy who ran for uh, 54 yards for a touchdown, but, you know, whatever. So yeah, that's on the defense, but still, it happened on the back of a special team's blunder again. So then what? Well, then now we get the ball. The Green Bay Packers get it. It's, it's literally been almost every single drive there's been a special teams blunder on the Packers. Next up, Green Bay Packers get the ball. Eight plays, 26 yards, time to punt. Corey Bajorquez punts 47 yards to the Chicago three-yard line. He nailed it to the three-yard line. Jakeem Grant takes the ball, 
which you're not supposed to do. Just leave it. It's going to bounce in and, and you know, what? no, no, no. This is the Green Bay Packers. I know what I'm doing. He grabs it at the three-yard line. He's surrounded by Green Bay Packers and somehow gets a 97-yard touchdown. Very few people in the history of the world have 97-yard punt returns for a touchdown because usually you just don't touch the ball at that point. But he did, and he broke a Chicago Bears record, and he's going to be in the Hall of Fame forever in, in the, the annals of, of special teams lore because we suck. So now special teams hasn't just aided and abetted in many, many penalties and has, has not only given them points, but has taken points off of us by giving us terrible field position, them fantastic field position. We have now just directly put seven points on the board for them. Well done. Again, just about every drive. After that's pretty straightforward. They kick it, touchback, we go get a touchdown. Done deal, right? Didn't really get an opportunity to mess anything up. The only opportunity was Mason Crosby kicking an extra point. He made it, so we're good there. Immediately after that, what happens? Mason Crosby kicks 65 yards from the 35 to the zero, to the zero yard line. He ran it 42 yards. So they start again at the 42-yard line. Mason Crosby could have just pooch-kicked this thing straight out of bounds, right into Matt Nagy's stupid face, and they would have had worse field position. Coach Hahn made the observation on, um, on Twitter, we could probably just do an onside kick every single time and we'd have better field position even if we don't recover the ball, and he'd be right. 42 frickin' yard line this time. What happens? Well, they go 32 yards, but that's good enough for a field goal. That one is very much on the special teams. They kick off to us. It's a touchback. Thank the good Lord for that. We kick off. Mason's finally able to get a little bit of juice, and it goes as a touchback. So the Bears have to start at the 25-yard line. So this is only the third time we've seen this. Once we got a stop, and once we got a pick six. Or I'm sorry, they got a touchdown. This time around, what happens? Strip sack recovery. Preston Smith gets the strip sack. Rashawn Gary jumps on top of it. Done deal. Packers ball. Packers drive it in for a touchdown. Two plays, 23 yards, eight seconds. We kick off. They return it for 22 yards, but there's a penalty, so then they end up starting on their four-yard line. What is the result of that? They have to punt. Why? Probably because they're starting at their own four-yard line, and it's not easy. Ask the Packers who had to start at the five. It's not easy. It's not just the distance you have to drive. It's just situationally, it's different. You're pinned up, man. You're, you're, you're up against it. You can't just drop back and, and throw passes. You're at, if you're at your four-yard line and you drop back and take a sack, you're in big trouble. Timing becomes a big issue. You got you to gotta run the ball or pass the ball quickly. They end up punting it. It isn't a, a disaster, which is great. Rodgers runs for 13 yards. We end up with a good field position for the first time ever because, again, we finally had them pinned back, and they had to punt it, and, and because they're all the way at their goal line, we end up with good field position. This is why special teams is so important. You start playing the field position game like this where suddenly they're pinned back, and so they don't get as many points, but not only that, when, we, when they have to punt and we get the ball, we start with good field position. What happens? Three points is what happens. Eight plays, 48 yards, three minutes and 45 seconds off the clock, and we kick a field goal. So what happens? We kick it off. He goes from the minus one yard line to the 13-yard uh, line, fumbles the ball, recovers by Cole Komet. So they have to start at the 13-yard line. What happens? They have to punt. This stuff isn't an a- It's not a coincidence. They started at the 13-yard line, and they had to punt. 
Unfortunately, the Packers had a bit of... This was probably the first real disappointing thing that we saw from the Green Bay Packers. They end up punting. We get the ball at the 46-yard line. Four plays, five yards, and we have to punt. That sucked. The biggest thing was the very first play they took a sack. Completed a pass to Lazard, but you know now it's third and long. Now it's third and five. Whatever. They didn't convert. We end up punting it. The punt is um, 22 yards to the 27-yard line. It was a bad punt, but still they're starting at the 27-yard line. Even though it was a garbage punt by Bajorquez, the 27-yard line is still still a way to drive. What happens? Five plays, nine yards, they got a punt. Now, what happens on this particular drive? Well, Amari Rogers gets smacked in the face by the ball. The Bears pick it up and scoop it for a touchdown. Fortunately for us, their guy, their gunner decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to beeline it for the sideline, go straight out of bounds and run down the sideline for a while as a means of getting down the field. Unfortunately for him, that's a penalty. But bottom line is, this is now the second time our special teams has given up a touchdown. That's, a, that's the second touchdown our special teams gave up, but this one got called back. So they punted it again. Amari Rogers ran for 15 yards, went out of bounds. Green Bay Packers starting at the 29-yard line, 14 plays, 71 yards, eight and a half minutes, and uh, they end up with seven points. Finally, now that the game is basically over, they get the ball at the 21-yard line. They drive 13 plays, 64 yards, and get a field goal out of it. So the, the, they did, the defense did allow another drive. I think this is, what, the second one of the game. They allowed, allowed an actual full-length drive down the field, but they did stop them at the end. Bears ended up kicking a field goal. So then what happens? They kick an onside kick. Not only do they recover it, but they return their third kick for a touchdown. Unfortunately for the Bears, unfortunately for us, we're saved again by the referees who are obviously in our back pocket, or also known as the rule book. You can't return an onside kick. I'd be lying if I said I didn't, I had no idea that was a rule. But if you recover it, it's dead. But, but again, the, the reality is three people on special teams ran right into our end zone. Three freaking times. But either way, another special team's gaffe. This time it's MVS who drops the onside kick. The Bears scoop and score. Again, didn't actually happen, but recover the, the on, whatever. But again, thank you to the defense for coming up big. Um, six plays, 19 yards. That ends in an interception by Chandon Sullivan. So the defense wasn't perfect. And I'm not saying that because they started at the 40, uh, we can er- erase those points because if they had started at the 25, they would definitely wouldn't have got points. I don't know that for sure. But I know that there are two, what, what do we count for? 10 points in which the defense allowed the Chicago Bears to drive down the field and score. There was one touchdown and one field goal, I believe. There were seven points directly put on the field, uh, on the board by special teams, by a kickoff return right into the end zone. All the other points are on short fields by the Bears. Still credit to the Bears for getting those yards. Still credit to the Bears for getting those points. Still uh, the, the defense not doing their job. But that's that's the reality. And that's a real big problem. This is, this is and a lot of people have said it, and I'd have to really think hard about it because those games of missed field goals and everything else, there, there were some pretty bad games in there and, and, and recovered punts and everything else. But I don't know how hard of a fight you can put up with the argument that this is the worst special teams game any of us have ever seen. And, and I feel like we've said that like five times this year, and it just keeps getting worse. Um, 
And so you talk about Mo Drayton, and there's a lot of pushback when you say you got to fire the guy because every, everybody really hates the idea of hire, firing coaches midseason. Um, the, only, the, the biggest reservation I have is who's going to take his place. There are not special teams coordinators just floating around out there. I shouldn't say there's not. Um, there are, but you would assume that any of them that are really, really good would be on a staff right now. And you, you can't hire anybody away at this particular point in time. But if there is anybody out there, just hire them. Otherwise, somebody from internally, just bring them up. The point is, Murray Straten, and I think, if, if nothing else, he needs to be fired just for ju- just as some kind of a statement. I, I know that's horrible. I, I, I don't relish saying those words. Murray Straten is a human being. He has bills to pay, you know, all that stuff. It's a horrible thing, but it's the reality of the situation. You know the guy's going to get fired. There's, there's, it's, it's not a question. The question is, do you do it now or do you wait? And, and maybe, look, it's, I understand that it's probably unlikely that firing him is going to improve anything, because why would it get better? But if, if you can tell me confidently that it won't get worse, I would fire him. That's where I'm at right now. It's not about how do we improve special teams, because I don't know the answer to that question other than hiring somebody next year, but that doesn't help us today. I don't know how to do that. What I'm saying is, if it doesn't get worse, you just got to do it, because he's he just, this is this is terrible. And um, speaking of, thanks to JJ for keeping me updated on this, um, not super great news to the fire Drayton crowd, or, or just, just in general, th- this upsets me. And maybe, this, maybe he's just being dishonest because he doesn't want to throw anybody under the bus. That's his style. Here is what Tom Silverstein had to say, um, or said that uh, Matt LaFleur said, quote, LaFleur said there will be no change at special teams coordinator. Quote, a lot of it seems to come from each phase of teams, he said. Said most of the year coverage has been good, but it wasn't tonight. Said they lost some key special teams guys. That is such a BS thing to say. Everything about the, everything I just read to you, about special team, what what are you talking? Well, cover it. What what do you? Why do you think coverage is what we're talking about? That would be like watching the Chicago Bears season and saying, "Yeah, we've had some issues with running the ball and whatnot." But well, r- r- running the who said running the ball? What are you talking about? And that's a bad example because it's not like they're bad at running the ball, but it's just it's a random thing that you're picking. Coverage. Are, is, are, are you? That's the only thing you noticed about your special teams was coverage. You didn't notice your hands team was a little off. You didn't notice the shank by Bajorquez? You didn't notice your return man muffing another punt that basically went for seven, if not for that penalty? Yeah, coverage did suck. It's been good most of the year. What a lie. What an absolute lie. It has not been good most of the year. And to just brush it off like, yeah, it's been good all year, but, you know, it was a little off today. BS. You gave up seven points. It was bad every single time you kicked the ball, almost. And in one of those times, you gave him seven points. So again, maybe this is him just kind of blowing it off because listen, this is inside baseball. I'm not going to talk to you about it. We'll figure this out. You know, if you're not going to switch coordinators, then which which I listen, I there was very little reason to believe that they would. I'm just saying I probably would. So maybe that's what this is. Look, I'm not firing the guy, so I'm certainly not going to throw him under the bus, but maybe you should. I mean, at the very least, if you're not going to fire him, put a little heat under him. It's great you want to be a nice guy and you want a game and you want him to be able to celebrate too. He shouldn't be. He shouldn't be allowed to celebrate. You do need to take him out. Listen, when you guys are celebrating in the locker room and you're doing game ball and all that, Maurice and the guys that are exclusive special teamers need to step outside. 
You will not partake in this. You take your crew out of here. You guys go work on some drills out there on the field. We're going to do game balls. We're going to do celebrations. We're going to do pep talks. You get the heck out of my locker room. So anyways, again, we'll get the uh, special teams nonsense out of the way. Uh, Why don't we go ahead and take a break, and on the other side of the break, we can talk about the positives, which is in large part the defense and uh, mostly the offense. So we'll take a break. Um, If you want to support the podcast, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. It would be greatly appreciated. I don't know what that was. It's kind of like when your car spins out and you're just trying to get it back. I got it back. I just, I don't, I don't know exactly what happened there. Oil slick or a banana or something. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, let us take a look at some of the statistics, because why not? Looking at Aaron Rodgers, 29 of 37, 341 yards, 9.2 average, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, 38 yards was his long. He did take three sacks, a passer rating of 141.1. Justin Fields was 18 of 33, 224 yards, 6.8, two touchdowns, two picks, 54 yards was his long, two sacks, 70.8 passer rating. Um, Not the worst game I've ever seen him play, but again, if that's what he is, please stay in Chicago. Running backs, great day on the ground. You'd never know it really because we spent so much time throwing the ball, but... um, I'm loving, the, see, and this, man, 
I'm loving that it's not just that the offense is going well, but you're starting to see them pick up an identity. For example, and I know Aaron Jones is a little banged up, but even if they're doing it on accident, I'm hoping that they're noticing that it's working and they stick with it. Aaron Jones had five carries, but had 35 yards, seven yards per carry, one touchdown. A.J. Dillon, 15 carries, 71 yards, 4.7 yards per carry. A.J. Dillon crushed it. Right, He got those stingy yards once in a while, and then toward the end, he started to see those holes open up, and he started taking chunks. But the point is, A.J. Dillon wore down the team. Aaron Jones came in fresh and just sliced and diced this freaking team to oblivion. The guy didn't have to do it. He just walked on the field and got touchdowns. It was literally back-to-back touchdowns. He had a rushing touchdown. Very next series, I think that was actually on the... Uh, The strip sack was right after that because we ended up marching right back out there. Aaron Jones goes on the field, pass to him, touchdown. Just that simple. But um, it's it's just great to see it. And on top of that, you're seeing DeGuara get more involved with the H-back role, the fullback role, whatever. You're getting the tight ends involved. You're getting Alan Lazard involved with the blocking. You're also seeing some of the end arounds. You got Alan Lazard coming in with his carry for 14 yards. You're starting to see that big boy smash mouth mentality with just a wizard at quarterback who's getting back to MVP form at the same time, which is such a wicked combination to have a team that is just an absolute sledgehammer, but then comes over the top with a guy that's not just, you know, a a dink dink and dunk artist. He's a guy that can do anything and everything, and by the way, he can read the field and the situation and, and the alignment and all that stuff to know, you know what? We got this play called, but I think we're going to go to that play, and I'm going to carve you up with this. It's such a dangerous combination if you can just get in that rhythm, and man, does it feel like they're in the rhythm. As far as receiving goes, Devontae Adams got off to a slow start. Uh, At the beginning when things were looking real ugly, the announcers were talking about how Devontae hadn't touched the ball. At the end of the day, 13 targets, 10 receptions, 121 yards, 9.3 yards per target, 12.1 yards per reception, and two touchdowns, 38 yards was his long. Coming in after that, another thing that we've been saying for a long time, if this offense has to get going, I mentioned this, I think it was in the Q&A, what's the one thing you would want to see for this offense to get going or something to that effect? I said Alan Lazard. That's the one guy I want to see pick it up. What happened? He was our number two guy, seven targets, six receptions, 75 yards and a touchdown. Um, after that, MVS, five targets, uh, three receptions, 20 yards. Not the, I mean, as far as targets, he was next. Mercedes Lewis, four targets, four receptions, 51 yards. That's the other thing. We're getting the tight ends back involved in this. And it wasn't just Mercedes Lewis, but Josiah DeGuara, three targets, three receptions, 4.4 yards per reception. He actually had the highest yards per reception of anybody, which is fantastic to see for a tight end. I mean, when you got MVS on the team and you got Josiah DeGuara as your number one guy, I thought Josiah had a great day. Not only the versatility, he's lined up as a fullback, he's lined up as an H-back, he's lined up in line. Not only that, but I thought he did a great job blocking from the time that I saw it, and he's doing a great job as a receiver. He's finally really blossoming into what I hoped that he would when I started banging that DeGuara drum all this time. It wasn't even because he's so uber-talented. It's just that he's such a perfect fit for what Matt LaFleur wants to do. The, the kind of system that Matt LaFleur wants to run, he's such an essential piece. To have that versatility, to, to, to be that Swiss Army knife that is sort of that hammer-receiver hybrid. 
He's the guy that you watch over and over and over line up as a fullback and just keep smashing people and smashing people and smashing people, and he catches the defense sleeping when he slips out. See, that's the difference between him and Tunyon. Tunyon is a faster guy. He's got better hands. He's a better receiver. He's a better route runner. That's not the point, though. He's going to line up in the slot, and everybody knows what he's doing. He's running a route. And so they're going to put a slot guy on him, or they're going to put a linebacker on him. They're going to cover him, and we'll see who wins. That's not what DeGuara does. DeGuara is the guy you don't know what he's doing, but you got to account for him. Kind of like Mercedes Lewis a little bit, but but that's when, when Mercedes slips out, it's almost more of a trick play. Whereas with DeGuara, it's really just, it's like rock, paper, scissors is what it is. It's rock, paper, scissors. You just don't know what they're going to throw. So you, you kind of guess. You're, you're just constantly guessing with him. What, what are they going to throw? Is it a rock, paper, or scissors? Finally, Aaron Jones getting into the mix. Three targets, three receptions for 30 yards. Also added in a touchdown. On the defensive side of things, leading the team in tackles, Devondre Campbell. I thought the dude looked good. Um, didn't get a super zoomed-in view of him, obviously, but I liked seeing him. I saw the the flying around the field. I saw the heavy the heavy hands and, and the hard tackling. I mean, he just looks so violent. I love watching him play when he's on his game. Um, again, I don't know for sure. I'm not promising he's going to be graded out well or whatever, but um, I loved what I saw, and he led the team by a mile Second highest tackler was Chris Barnes with five. So 16 compared to five. In fact, he had nine solo tackles. Um, so he had more solo tackles than uh, Chris Barnes had combined tackles. Sacks, Preston Smith had two. He also had the one tackle for a loss, the one forced fumble. Um, Rashawn Gary was in there a ton, but Justin Fields is just way too slippery, which was the biggest problem is you almost needed that... Um, old school uh, Mike Pettin compress the pocket kind of thing on Justin Fields because when you got Rashawn just kind of running as a rogue, it's not going to do any good. He needed somebody else to be there, and that was frustrating when nobody else was. And it wasn't just him. You know, Kenny would get there or somebody else, Preston even a couple times got there, and he just kept slipping away. Um, there were a couple times when guys just missed tackles. I know Preston missed one. That would have been like an 18-yard loss. That was painful. He just missed the tackle. But uh, Justin Fields is a slippery dude. Uh, forced fumble. Preston Smith had one. Dude had a heck of a day. Uh, Henry Black also had a forced fumble. Interceptions, Razul Douglas and Chandon Sullivan. Um, touchdowns, Razul Douglas. Pass deflections, two for Razul Douglas, one for Henry Black, one for Chandon Sullivan, one for Chris Barnes, one for Adrian Amos, one for Kingsley Kiki, and one for Eric Stokes. And I just straight up refuse to look at special teams anymore. We've already covered it. We're not doing that anymore. One thing I'm extremely excited to go through is these uh, NFL.com insights because this is a heck of a game, and I'm sure there's going to be some wild nuggets. But uh, the Bears have lost seven of their last eight games. Their lone win was versus the 1-11-1 and Lions. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has tied Hall of Famer Brett Favre for the third most seasons with 10 or more quarterback wins since the 1970 merger. That uh, number is 10, by the way. So 10 times... He's had a 10 or more win season. Packers have 10 or more wins in the season for the 32nd time, which is third straight, the most such seasons in NFL history. It's probably not that surprising, actually. Bears have allowed 100-plus passer rating uh, to a quarterback in seven of their last eight games to Rodgers twice. The only quarterback with a sub-100 passer rating in that span was Baltimore's Tyler Huntley. So that was when they had a backup quarterback in. Aaron Rodgers has surpassed Drew Brees for the second most games with four-plus pass touchdowns and zero interceptions in the Super Bowl era. 
He has 26. The Packers have won six straight home games versus the Bears. The last loss was week 12 of 2015 to Jay Cutler and John Fox. The Packers are 10-0 in games with one or more takeaway this season. They're 0-3 with zero takeaways. I noticed uh, Zach Cruz put that as soon as they got that pick, and that was still when things were a little bit dicey. So it's little things like that. You look at it, and you, that and the the mock the belt thing. As soon as you saw it, it's like they can't lose. I mean, I don't know how they're going to pull this off, as ugly as things look, but they they just can't lose. The Packers have won 11 straight regular season games at home. Their last loss was Week 8, 2020 versus Minnesota. That is a crazy stat. Including playoffs, Aaron Rodgers is 23-5 versus starter as a starter versus the Bears. He won six straight. Tied with Hall of Famer Brett Favre for the most wins by any quarterback versus Chicago since at least 1950. Matt Nagy at 4-9 has a losing season for the first time as Bears head coach since 2018. That's actually a little surprising. The Bears have 200-plus pass yards in five straight games. Kudos to them. <laughs> I was so used to all the Packers things being positive and all the Bears ones being negative, I probably should have just skipped that one, but oh well. I'll give them their one. Here's a good one. Devontae Adams has tied Antonio Brown, eight, for most games with 10-plus receiving and 2-plus receiving touchdowns, 10-plus receptions. REC is receptions and receiving. They need to come up with something else. 10-plus receptions and 2-plus receiving touchdowns since at least 1950. That's, uh, I know Antonio Brown is a nut bar, but that's some serious company right there. Aaron Rodgers has 4-plus passing touchdowns for the 33rd time in his career. All other Green Bay quarterbacks have 33 games combined since 1950. That is crazy. Devontae Adams has tied Jordy Nelson for the second-most receiving touchdowns in Packers history at 69. Aaron Rodgers has 16 passing touchdowns and zero interceptions in his last six starts versus the Bears. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers has 300-plus passing yards for the 69th time in his career. Next closest Green Bay quarterback since 1950 is Hall of Famer Brett Favre with 55. And that's crazy, too, because first of all, Brett Favre never missed a game. And second of all, he was known for being a gunslinger. So to be that far behind Aaron Rodgers in 300-yard passing games is pretty wild. Devontae Adams has tied Sterling Sharp for the second most games with 100-plus receiving yards among Green Bay players since at least 1950. Man. Aaron Jones has tied Amon Green, Dorsey Levins, and Jamal Williams for the most receiving touchdowns among running backs in a season in Green Bay history. That's cool. With five. Devontae Adams has one-plus receiving touchdown in six straight home games versus the Bears, longest streak versus Chicago by any player since 1950. Devontae Adams has surpassed Jordy Nelson for the most receiving touchdowns thrown by Aaron Rodgers in his career. That's a big, that should have been first. That's a big one. 70 touchdown passes to Devontae. Devontae Adams has three plus receptions in 60 straight games, tied with Odell Beckham for the fourth longest streak since 1950. Razul Douglas is the first Packers player with an interception return for a touchdown in two straight games within a season since Hall of Famer Herb Adderley in weeks one and two in 1965, you want to talk about putting a guy in Hall of Fame caliber. I, I know it's like a, a fluky kind of a stat, but that's still a big one, man, to be put in, in, in line with Herb Adderley as a guy that's been a, a, I don't want to be too mean, but I mean, he's just been riding the bench. I mean, he's, he's a practice squad, ride the bench caliber player for a long time that's come in and has just been an absolute freaking stud. Finally, Aaron Jones has surpassed Dorsey Levens, 3,937 for the sixth most rushing yards in Packers history. So 
sixth most rushing yards and climbing, I will say, but he's passed Dorsey Levens, which is a pretty big milestone. Anyways, we got to also look at uh, the PFF recap real quick, give us a bit of an insight into uh, what we're going to be talking about tomorrow, I guess. In the second highest scoring Chicago Bears-Green Bay Packers game of all time, Green Bay came from behind to beat Chicago yet again, this time 45-30. to Nothing too interesting on quarterback. However, they did say his average time to throw, Aaron Rodgers, was 2.54 seconds, and he threw 7.7 yards downfield on average. A.J. Dillon forced two missed tackles. Again, nothing else too interesting on that. The Green Bay Packers offensive line. I love this. It says the Packers stout offensive line. Frickin' stout is the word they use to describe it. That's just ridiculous. I don't mean to say it shouldn't be. I'm just saying it's crazy that they're calling this hodgepodge offensive line stout. The Packers' stout offensive line gave up just four pressures, according to PFF's first review of the, of the game film. Yash Nyman was the only one with multiple pressures given up, as he gave up two, including the line's one sack. Two pressures. That's it. Good Lord. Uh, the pressure numbers are up here. Preston Smith with six and two sacks. Kenny Clark with six. Rashawn with five. Kingsley Kiki with four. Dean Lowry with four. It does sound like Devondre is going to get dinged pretty bad in coverage. It says Dev- uh, linebacker Devondre Campbell tallied seven Tackles against the run, including one tackle for a loss. He was targeted seven times in coverage, giving up five catches for 66 yards and a touchdown. That is kind of brutal. Razul Douglas nabbed an interception and didn't allow a single catch on two targets. Chandon Sullivan had the other interception and allowed only one catch for 25 yards on four targets. So those two guys combined for one reception for 25 yards and gave, you know, pick six. They didn't mention what Stokes did, but that's crazy. Uh, Real quick, poke through the press conferences, see if there's anything of substance there. Uh, Devontae did mention he's never seen anything quite like what we've had with the offensive line. Obviously, Billy Turner did go down in this game. We don't have any news on that quite yet. Uh, Maybe there is, I guess, in the press conference, but probably no significant news yet. Kind of an interesting nugget by uh, Razul Douglas. He says he didn't do a Lambo leap um, when he got his pick six, he said his defensive pass interference and missed tackle that led to a touchdown on the previous drive were still bothering him. So he was he was still down on himself so much about that last play that um, he wouldn't do a, a Lambo leap. There's another little nugget here. I don't think we read, but Aaron Rodgers did pass Brett Favre's touchdown record against the Bears at 61. Aaron Rodgers went on to say that he doesn't care much about records and stats, but that one does mean a lot to him. Um, some bad news on the toe front. Aaron Rodgers says it definitely feels worse. He says, I don't know what kind of setback I had tonight. We'll get it checked tomorrow, but it definitely had a step back tonight. So that's scary. Matt LaFleur on the overall summary of the day. Um, he said he was proud of his guys. There was no panic at halftime, which is a great point. There's a lot to clean up. The special teams was not good enough. Again, bit of an understatement, but I guess I'll take it. Did not provide any news on the knee injury to Billy Turner. But with that said, I don't know if there's uh, kind of combed through the roster here. Pretty much talked about everybody. Malik Taylor and Amari Rogers, just absolute disasters. I mean, you can throw MVS in there. Those three wide receivers, disasters on special teams. Uh, but Devontae and Lazard were massive. I, I think that's that's an important point. The What is the summary of the bye week curse? We obviously didn't lose, but was there a bye week curse? I would say yes, but the typical curse in terms of, you know, when things go south, what does it look like? 
it's usually pretty easy to identify. The pass rush isn't there, which you could say technically happened. Didn't get as much pressure as, uh, well, I guess you could say Justin Fields just handled it really well. But there's no pressure. The offensive line is an absolute nightmare. There's no run game, and Rodgers is flustered, right? Even if you can't say he's not playing well, there's some reason why the pass game is not working. The pressure is a problem. He usually starts hearing footsteps. He's not throwing to open guys. He's he's just not making great decisions. I think in this game, the biggest thing is, although a lot of things went wrong, the most important pieces stepped up big time. Aaron Rodgers played lights out. Um, Devontae Adams played lights out. The offensive line played lights out. Those are massive pieces. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, lights out. So yeah, I mean... MVS, Amari Rogers, Malik Taylor, they didn't step up. But Devontae and Lazard did. Okay, I'm good with that. The tight ends played a, a, a very nice complimentary role. On the defensive side of the ball, I don't really know what everybody along the defensive line did, but I like what Kenny did. I like some of those plays in particular. Can't speak to everything, but that dude was, I know he was getting some pressure. We already saw the stats. I saw the, the offensive lineman getting walked back. Oh, it's midnight here. I gotta, I gotta wrap this up. The the launching off, not just shedding, but launching himself off of an offensive lineman to tackle a mobile quarterback is a heck of a play any day of the week. The DBs, I thought, played phenomenally well, even if the pressure wasn't exactly 100% great. Again, largely because Justin Fields just ran away from it, but even so, the corners were just on point. The corners and safeties were just playing great ball. So the guys that show, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some horrific grades. I, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be plenty. Again, some of these wide receivers, I think, are going to grade horribly. Even some of the offensive linemen, I bet, are not going to grade out very well. Some of the run blocking probably isn't great. Even the pass block. You know, a lot of it is credit to Rodgers getting the ball out quickly and whatnot and escaping pressure and still making stuff happen, et cetera, et cetera. Running backs, I don't know, I don't, I don't know, but it doesn't matter. The point is, the guys that needed to step up, they needed to do their role, they did their role, and that's all that we need guys to do, and they did it. And those, those certain guys that need to be special to make this offense something more, right? Lazard doesn't need to be special, he needs to just be Lazard, right? Block guys and come down with those clutch catches. He did that today, and that's the Lazard we need. Devontae needs to be special, right? Devontae is a magician, and we need Devontae to be a magician in order for this team to be a special offense. Aaron Rodgers is a magician. He has to be a, he has to be special. If he's not special, the offense isn't special. The offensive line, none of those guys need to be magicians. Just just stay in your lane, do your job. If you're not the greatest run blocker in the world, all right, we'll try to figure that out. Just keep Aaron Rodgers clean and you're doing your job perfectly. Again, Mercedes Lewis, just block and maybe once in a while when you slip out grab a little pass, see if you can bulldoze for four or five more yards. That's your role. You're not a magician. You're just a one-man band. You got like your your, your primary job and then your your secondary job, DeGuara, right? He's got a, a handful of jobs, but at the end of the day, I don't need anything special from DeGuara. Just when, when your job is there, just do your task. And he did it tonight. And so you got your role players and you got your stars. And I think the role players did their roles and the stars were stars. And that's that's what makes a a, a a team special. It's not Dean Lowry getting seven sacks or whatever, although that would be fantastic. It's just, it's, it's again, it's your role players doing their job and it's, it's your, your stars being stars. Would have loved to see a little more Rashawn Gary. Yeah, sure. Kenny getting in on a sack would have been great. Yeah, definitely. Could have, would have, should have done this or that or the other, but you know what? 
Again, offensively and defensively, I'm not that mad. The defense wasn't great. It wasn't perfect. Is is there a part of me that's a little concerned about the defense giving up 30 points three games in a row? And one of those games, special teams or not, is the Chicago Bears who struggle to even get to 20. Yeah, I'm a little concerned about that. But there's also, again, the issue of just battling through some injuries here. At some point, that's going to wear on you. And so we're hoping to get some guys back, getting Zadarius back, getting um, getting Jair back would be massive. We'll see how it goes. I mean, at this point, if we could just stay healthy and not continue to lose guys um, like Billy Turner and whatnot, that's going to be the most important thing. But um, I, I guess overall, I'm satisfied. It, 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 fully acknowledging that this level of play from any phase, offense, defense, or special teams, is going to mean we will not win a Super Bowl. I mean, you cannot do that kind of stuff. Even on a lesser important unit like special teams, you cannot do that and beat teams like Tampa Bay. I mean, we're not going to beat the Rams. Whoever's there that's a playoff team, assuming they show up playoff ready, we're not going to beat them. But it's one step at a time. The Green Bay Packers, they won the game. That's what we expected them to do was to win the game. The offense looked about as good as we've seen. I mean, that was a better performance from our offense than we saw, again, since 2014. And remember, 2020, that version of the Packers is one of the best versions of the Packers we've seen kind of ever, right? Like there's 2011, there's like the 96 team. There's there's a handful of like really good Packers offenses. And 2020 is, is right in that mix. And this was better than that in a lot of ways. And again, even some of those like 2011 teams and whatnot, 2011, we couldn't run the ball as well. They had a better offensive line and more depth at wide receiver, whatever, but versatile, powerful, strong. I'm a fan. And at the end of the day, stay healthy and just keep winning. That's it. That's We'll worry about the playoffs when we get to the playoffs. But I got to get going to bed. It's getting late. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.